Welcome to the Bethany Covenant Church Sermon Podcast. We are a multi-generational community in Berlin, Connecticut. Our services are held Sundays at 9.30 a.m., and you can find out more about us at www.bethanycovenant.org. Last weekend, uh, my wife Christy and I were away enjoying uh, some vacation time in western Connecticut, doing some camping and hiking and sightseeing, uh, but it's good to be back and enjoying this, this fall weather. I want to thank Pastor Diane who brought God's Word to us and opened the God's Word to us last weekend. And if you were here, you know that she continued to walk us through our exploration of the one another commands we find in the New Testament. These instructions were given about how we're to relate to one another. We find that there are actually a hundred of them, a hundred instructions designed to catalyze community as the body of Christ and to lead us into whole and healthy relationships. And we've seen as we've explored these one another commands that many of them have to do with with unity, being united to one another. We see that it's crucial for us to embrace one another fully as brothers and sisters, to honor one another's gifts and differences as together we seek to live out the mission God's given us. Because we know if we don't stay united, we might be led off track and be distracted from our mission to know God, to follow Jesus, and to serve our neighbors near and far. We saw, too, that another recurring theme that emerges in this list of one anothering commands in the New Testament is that we are to be humble among one another. This can be a tough one, as we're reminded that we not only welcome each other and respect each other's place in the body, but then choose to go that extra step and actually yield to one another the better place, the place of preference, and actually put one another's needs ahead of our own. Third, we saw that throughout the New Testament, as the church is taught how to be the church, we are called as brothers and sisters to care for one another. We're called to be brave enough, brave enough to share our cares and burdens with each other, and then kind and loving enough to to pick up those burdens as they're shared and to shoulder those alongside our brothers and sisters. And then last week, Pastor Diane introduced us to one of the most prevalent of all these one another commands, the instruction to love one another. Love one another. It's a command we see throughout the New Testament, throughout the Bible, this call to love one another. And perhaps its frequency, its prevalence uh, comes as no surprise because if we look at our, our model, our rabbi, our our great chief, as we heard from that First Nations translation, we know that the identity of Christ, the mission of Christ, is best summed up in one word, love. And so if we were to follow him, if we were to model our lives after his, this call to love one another is unexpected and essential. We're called to deep, loving relationships as brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. Now this morning, before we get to the fifth and final kind of major category of one another commands that we'll look at together in this series, I just want to show you a few of the others. These are kind of uh, miscellaneous commands, I guess, because they don't show up 10 or 20 times like the others we've looked at, but they do show up a few times in the New Testament. We're called not to judge one another. We're called to teach and correct one another. It's important that we not lie to each other, that we be truthful to one another. 
And then actually four times, Christians are instructed to kiss one another as we greet. Now, like all scripture, it's important that we look at the cultural context, especially maybe with this kissing one another piece. But I think if you look at these commands as a whole, you see that that this one anothering we're called to is designed to knit us together in increasingly intimate, trusting relationships. And I think if you look at these commands and the other miscellaneous ones, and even this, this whole collection of 100 one another's, they're probably best summed up in that general category of loving one another. I'm not sure there's a one another we can point to that doesn't fall somehow into that instruction to be loving one another more and more deeply. The last group of one another commands we'll look at together are the ones that instruct us to encourage one another, to spur each other on. This idea of encouraging one another turns up several places in the New Testament. Here are just a couple of examples. We heard from 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul writing to the Christians there in Thessalonica to encourage and build up one another. And the writer of Hebrews says, spur one another on to love and good deeds. It's this Hebrews passage where we'll be anchoring our time together this morning. As I think about encouragement and the power of encouragement, and we can hold off on this uh, passage for now. Thank you. If you think about the power of encouragement in our lives, um, I'm reminded of what it meant to be encouraged as a runner on, on a cross-country team in high school. Running on the, on the cross-country team was the absolute top of my highlights list in high school. I loved the team, I loved the camaraderie, I loved going on the training runs, and I really loved the racing, really loved it. And I knew I could feel what it meant to have encouragement shouted from the sidelines as people were clapping and cheering and yelling, encouraging me and the other runners to, to, to go on, to do our best as we ran. And I was able to experience that kind of mysterious link between the volume of the cheering and encouragement and the power there seemed to be in my legs. It didn't make sense, but somehow that emotional boost we received from the cheering actually had a physical impact as well. Not only was I glad to have encouragement shouted from, from the sidelines as I heard people loudly wishing me on and spurring me on, but I actually found myself motivated through the cheering of people watching me to, to actually want to do my best for them, for, for my teammates, for myself. I was encouraged. I was spurred on. Running the race of the Christian faith is not for chumps. It's not easy. It's tough. It's tiring. It's taxing. And so we need encouragement from those around us. And as I know from my cross-country days, it's one thing to have people on the sidelines cheering us on, shouting encouragement. It actually means even more to have teammates, fellow members of the team, encouraging me. I remember a time I was running a junior varsity race, and there was a senior varsity runner shouting from the from the sidelines, you can do this, work, work this hill and you've got the race, cheering me on. 
And better yet was, was the encouragement we were able to offer one another as we ran shoulder to shoulder, encouraging each other, lifting each other up. As we ran as teammates, we were able to spur each other on and help each other from letting our nerves getting the better of us. We'd inspire each other when we saw that we were, we were lagging. And we'd temper each other's emotions as we saw that we were maybe going out too fast and needed to work together as a team. We had each other's backs, even as we ran shoulder to shoulder. And I think this is a bit of what the kingdom we're called to work in is supposed to look like. That we encourage each other and have each other's backs as we lean into the work God's given us as we work shoulder to shoulder with brothers and sisters. We're running this race side by side. And even though it's hard work, we recognize it is not a waste of breath, not a waste of time to take a moment and encourage those who are in the struggle right beside us, to build each other up, to spur each other on. The writer of Hebrews knew that the life the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ literally changed everything about how we might live and are called to live. This unidentified author of this book, this letter of Hebrews, recognized that the old ways, the old modes of relating to God had been replaced in the coming of Jesus by something far more, more intimate. No less awesome, but more deeply personal. Jesus had come as God in flesh, God with us, and then had left us as his disciples with the spirit of God himself living within us, moving within us. And so the writer of Hebrews knew and taught that, that instead of seeking God in God's temple, followers of Jesus somehow by the grace, the mystery, the power of God become the temple of God ourselves. Listen to the passage from Hebrews 10 that includes this encouragement for us to be people who encourage one another. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Now, the book of, of Hebrews, this letter of Hebrews, is called that because it was written to, to Hebrews, to Jewish people, mainly Jewish believers who had grown up and embraced the Jewish faith, but had come to faith in Jesus Christ as their long-awaited Messiah. So they were intimately uh, aware of and familiar with the temple and the system of sacrifices that was offered for the atonement, forgiveness, and cleansing from sins. And the writer of Hebrews tells them that because we as followers of Jesus 
have been cleansed, not by the blood of animals, but through the blood of Jesus Christ himself, we have been truly cleansed, deeply washed. And that unlike the high priest who entered the most holy place of the temple, and only once a year on the Day of Atonement, we are able, we are even invited to come into the very presence of God boldly. Boldly, he says. Not, not irreverently, not because we take our forgiveness lightly, but because we recognize that we are incredibly blessed to have found ourselves made fully right by God through the blood of Christ, through new life in him, through the forgiveness of sins. We've been given hope by a faithful and forgiving God who invites us to come into his presence with joy and boldness and intimacy. And because of that joyful hope that we've been given, the writer says, then we should spur each other on. We've got nothing holding us back from encouraging one another to remind each other of the hope we share in Christ. The race won't be easy. We are sure to be tested in life. But we should be encouraged, which literally means giving courage, to have courage poured into us because of what God has done through, for us through his son, Jesus Christ. And this morning, as we consider how we might do this, how we might encourage one another, spur each other on, I want us to think about three different kinds or forms of encouragement. Because encouragement, that word uh, conveys more than one meaning. First of all, we can think of encouragement as a way to comfort one another. If you were here two weeks ago, you know that we looked at the one another commands having to do with caring for one another. And so this type of comforting encouragement helps us to do that, to care for one another well. If a brother or sister is discouraged, we can come alongside them and feel that discouragement with them, share the burden of that, that pain because we know we have friends who are, who are discouraged, who have had setbacks, who have received bad news, who have had a loss or disappointment. And we can encourage them first by feeling with them and then perhaps sharing words of encouragement. Not platitudes like, oh, it's okay, everything's gonna be fine, this isn't a big deal, but words of genuine encouragement. Words that remind us of the truths that we celebrate together as Christians, as followers of Christ. We remind each other, encourage one another that, that God is always good, that God is always with us, that God is always for us, that God will not abandon us, that we are not alone, that God is with us and that we have each other as well. Sometimes this kind of comforting, caring encouragement happens without any words at all. It happens simply by us being alongside our brothers and sisters going through a tough time. Sometimes this kind of encouragement happens when we pray with or for a friend. A second type of encouragement happens when we cheer one another on. When we say to each other, you can do this. You can do this. We cheer each other on with confidence, not because we think that there's no possibility our friend won't fail, but because we believe that together we follow a God 
who never fails. And so the cheers we hear from our brothers and sisters lift our spirits. They renew our strengths. To inspire literally means to breathe into. And so as we find our brothers and sisters encouraging us with words of inspiration, we find new breath, new breath for the next step in the journey ahead. Now this kind of cheering on doesn't ignore the tough road we've already traveled or the challenging road that's sure to be ahead. In fact, it says, look what you've already done. Look how far you've already come. You can do this. God's got you. Keep going. And then last, a third type of encouragement happens when we spur one another on. This is what the writer of Hebrews says. Spur one another on to good deeds. This is the kind of encouragement that says, you should do this. Because if our cheers of encouragement offer inspiration, then our acts of spurring one another, spurring one another on can offer accountability. And this kind of encouragement is crucial in the life of the body because there are times we need that, that extra oomph. We need to hear, you can do this, come on. And there are times we need to hear, we need you to do this. We're counting on you to be spurred on, to be given those words of encouragement. And the passages in the Bible that speak about this kind of encouragement are not about guilt trips because we are not called to lay heavy loads on each other. We follow a master, a teacher, a savior who does not lay heavy loads on us. This kind of spurring on is, is about healthy challenges and helpful reminders. It's like when a friend asks you to run a, a couple laps around the lake and you say, how about we do three? This kind of encouragement is about the a kind of accountability that we we come to deeply appreciate when we see that brothers and sisters have our backs because they say, this is important. What you do matters. What you bring in your role in the body of Christ matters and makes a difference. And we sense that our brothers and sisters aren't trying to pressure us or guilt us into anything, but just to remind us that we and the role we play are very important. We find ourselves and our gifts highly valued in the body. It's a sign of good and trusting friendship. When someone can say to us, you know, you, you really ought to do that. You really ought to follow through on that. You really ought to do this thing that you've always been saying, oh, I should do that sometime. You, you should do that. You can do it. We understand we have a vital role to play in the body of Christ as valued members. It matters how fully, how well we live into our responsibilities and opportunities to serve our brothers and sisters, to honor God by serving and loving our neighbors around us. When we hear those kinds of words of encouragement, we hear in the voice of our friends, we see it in their eyes, that they, they truly have our best interests in mind. They truly care about the body of which we are all members. As we live into the kind of one anothering that the Bible, specifically the New Testament as we've seen, instructs us to live into. We will see in this list of 100 commands that there are things that, that are very counterintuitive, certainly very countercultural. On the way in this morning, you should, should have received a card, which I thought I had here. 
Here it is. One of these cards that uh, kind of artistically captures all 100 one another commands. So this card is centered on that Greek word, alelon, which we saw a few weeks ago is uh, the single Greek word that reflects the English two-word phrase, one another. Whenever we see one another, it means that there's a lay loan in the Bible. And I pray uh, that you'll keep this in a visible place to be reminded, all 100 are on here, to be reminded of the one anothering we're invited to do, instructed and called to do as brothers and sisters in faith. As you look at the list, you'll find some of these maybe you're naturally wired for. You look at that and you say, oh, that's easy. You look at another one and you say, oh, that sounds really hard. And for the person next to you, maybe it's the exact opposite for those two. Some of these will come easily. Some of these for sure will require practice, will require intentional discipline, will require constant reminders. Oh, that's, that's how we're called to live as brothers and sisters in Christ. There'll be moments, I'm sure, when we're tempted, we're inclined to react to one another in some way that's not on this card. And my prayer is that in those moments, we'll, we'll stop, we'll pause, we'll catch our breath, and we'll choose to live this way instead. It's going to matter whether we do these things. There will be consequences if we choose to do these one anothering moves. There will be consequences if we don't. Our fellowship, the body of Christ, the church, will be, will be helped or will be harmed. We'll be blessed in some way or denied some good depending on our choices and how well and how we one another these one another in commands are designed to catalyze whole and healthy relationships among us. Designed to fuel the kind of relationships, the type of living that honors God, that serves our neighbors, that, that points them to the love of God. And we don't have to do these things on our own. We actually really can't do these things well and fully on our own. We have been inspired, we have been breathed into by God's Holy Spirit. And so as we rely on God's Spirit to guide us, to empower us, to live out this kind of one anothering, we'll find ourselves more faithfully and more fully living into these ways. To one anothering with increasing impact and effectiveness and blessing. If, on the other hand, we just keep trying harder to summon up the willpower to do these things, we'll probably be really frustrated. And the people we live with might be frustrated as well. And so let's keep breathing in together the inspiration, the breath of God's Holy Spirit, leaning into and relying on God's Spirit to guide us into these one anothering ways. To live and to walk as God's Word instructs us. To watch as Jesus lives out and models this life in front of our eyes. Would you join me in prayer? Loving Father, would you fill us again with your spirit? 
Encourage us to live as you've called us to live. God, comfort us in times of our own discouragement. Renew our hope when the way gets rough and spur us on to ever greater things as disciples of your son, Jesus. And as the church, the body with Christ himself as our head. God, remind us that how we treat one another matters. How we interact and respond to one another matters. Whether we love one another, whether we care for one another, whether we encourage one another, it all matters. It matters whether we live in unity and live in humility with one another. All of this will impact who we are as your church. All of this will shape what a watching world thinks of us as Christians. And so, Father, would you keep our eyes on Jesus, keep us attentive and responsive to the work of your Holy Spirit within us. We ask us in the name of Christ. Amen.